like I always tell people it's like fishing. Like if you have a lake and you, um, you're, you know, your fishing line or your reel is like kind of the, uh, a stream of revenue, a way to pull in, you know, fish or money to feed yourself. If you have 10 lines, five, let's just say five lines out into the water, the chance that you're going to, like, what are the odds that you're going to catch more fish than someone who has one line into the water? And then what if that one guy's line breaks and he has no line, then like, you know what I mean? I think that's like a good way to kind of relate it back to like the different avenues you have to, to, to make money and support yourself and whether you're, you know, have a family or you're a single guy or a girl or whatever. I kind of look at it like that is like, you know, the more lines I can have into the water, like, you know, the better off I'm going to be. Let's go, brother. What's good? Student of the Game podcast, Jacob Owens. We're live. Live. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Is that your new spot? Yeah. Yep. My living room. Nice. Um, I got it kind of like propped up on this like stool here, trying to get trying to get like a, a relatively decent angle going. Nice. What number? What number am I? Um, are you on? Right like now? seven or something? I took oh. a little break. Nice. I took a little quarantine break uh unintentional but but yeah i think you're about number seven there's this real uh this trend of filmmakers in the space but i think that you're super unique how'd that happen you think it's just i'm like starting this out with just all my friends who are dope in their like crafts and so i did colin tilly was the first one then i did my buddy john brandon cruz do you know cruz you remember cruz right oh yeah um Yeah, he's he works for The Rock, and he's just been doing a bunch of cool stuff. So he was episode four, and then yeah, now you. Okay, don't fire. (laughs) Um, let's just jump right in. So you're like a director, music video, you know, commercial. You've done just so many things, but let's just talk. Can you just tell me about? how many businesses you're involved in right now and just kind of like go over each one of them? Yeah. It's always kind of hard. Cause so much, like when I try and think about it, like it's always ends up being more than I like think I have. Cause like ever, there's so many different things and they all kind of like bleed into each other a little bit um, in a way, just cause like, I mean, my main one, which started with like the music video stuff with Jacob Owens productions, which I started before I even moved to LA. I had that like LLC, you know, I was doing music videos for, you know, Kyle futuristic and stuff, um, which then turned into, you know, when I moved out to LA doing that. And that was my main thing. I didn't really have anything outside of that unless you counted like YouTube as a business as well. And like I was doing YouTube stuff, but again, like that's where everything starts to like bleed together. And, but there's, I guess, officially that, um, prism lens effects, tropic color, the film locations, I guess you could branch all within one even though technically they're like three separate entities, they all fall under that film locations, um, real estate rentals. Um, um, what's the other one? Like there's, I'll be like, Oh, that's it. And then like, I'll be like, Oh no, I do that over there too. So I don't know. There's probably like five or six, um, officially. And then there's always like the other, like random little things that aren't necessarily businesses, but officialized like LLCs and whatnot, I'd say probably five. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, so walk, walk me through how 
each of them started? Like, cause I know it's a domino effect to a degree, but can you just walk me through that, that well, domino? The first, the first one started probably kind of was the earlier Tropicolor, which was my own online personal store, which I sold like a manual on how to shoot my videos and like color presets that transitioned into Tropicolor when my right, brother- right, right. But, but sorry to cut you off. No, right. No. So it, it, it all started obviously with making videos. Jacob Owens productions. Yes. Right. Right. Making music videos. Right. And then like, I always edited and colored my own stuff. And like one day, like I got so many questions, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And it was always so taxing to like try and respond to every single question and the follow-up questions and all this stuff and started to get a lot as like my following grew online. And then my mom suggested, why don't you write a book like, or a manual, a guide on how you shoot your videos? It's like, Oh, cool. So that started like my online store and doing like e-commerce stuff. And that was when I was still back living in Arizona. And so that was kind of the start of that. And then I sold like my color presets some merch, like different stuff like that. Um, and that carried on for the next few years until Tropic Color was born and like actually officialized, which Tom came to me who DP'd like all of pretty much 90% of my videos. And he was like, yo, I want to make like, you know, this color, you know, a uh, pack with you, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, well, I actually have ideas for, you know, even bigger beyond that was like flare overlays. Cause I had like bought like different effects from other companies before. And I was like, I could make this. And if not better, like I use their stuff on my own videos. It was like, why don't I make my own stuff and use it on my videos, but then I'll sell it because if I'm using it, I know other people will want to use it. And so that's kind of like where Tropic Color came from and was born. And then in 2000, so that was like 2017, three years ago, um, me and Tom, you know, built Tropic Color and it's like an online e-commerce store for video editors, photographers and all that stuff. But right before that, I would say almost the inception of that too is me and Tom came together and wrote like a hundred page book called like the buff nerds video and business guy. Cause there was, there's always stuff that talked about like, Oh, how to change your aperture, how to change your, everyone. You can find that stuff anywhere. Everyone knew how to do that stuff, but we wanted to, I wanted to touch on like the business elements of it too. Like marketing, social media, how, how to get your name out there, work with clients, budgets and stuff. So we kind of like wrote this book and then Tropicolor followed right on the heels of that. And so that's kind of like how Tropicolor was born. And, you know, we're still doing that today. Always, anytime, like, you know, I think of stuff that I would want to use on my own videos. If we can't figure out a way to make it, we hire someone to like make it for us. We use it on our own stuff. And then we brand it as, you know, Tropicolor product. So, um, yeah, it's like digital assets, you know, different things to help creatives across the board you know what i mean so yeah so that's how that started then that's and that was the first one post jacob owens productions i would say um yeah Yeah. tell me a little bit about how important you felt you feel like because like as long as i've known you which was like pretty i feel like it was relatively early in the music your music video making journey maybe like Uh, 2010 or yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. When you were making videos for our buddy Samson. And, yeah. um, I think one thing about you that's really, really dope is f- you always like were, first of all, you have an insane work ethic. Right. And I right. think that that should not be lost in, in, in translation, like your just willingness to just really like pound the pavement in every sense of the imagination is just 
should be should be noted you know what i mean i think you can you pretty much outwork anybody and i think so i want to just put that out there so like where did you get that work ethic where did that start i think i think it it was instilled in me by my kind of by my parents i mean and every person is different but i i want to say it was instilled by me or instilled in me by my parents as a kid and granted like a kid can be raised two different kids can be raised the exact same way by the same parents and one's definitely going to turn out different than the other some people are just wired different differently right so i think not only was i maybe wired a little bit differently but always early on like i was just always creating anything you know my own magazines board games i'd go and get them laminated and like create um my own sports center show and film it and like turn it i i built a magazine we played sports in the neighborhood i organized like a wiffle ball league i wrote down we kept track of everyone's stats and i wrote articles about jacob has five home runs this season and like i was just always like making stuff and so i just feel like it carried over into adulthood adulthood and my work ethic comes from enjoying what i do I just feel like anyone, if you, for the most part, if you love what you do, like you're going to work relatively hard at it. And again, that doesn't go for everyone. But for me, I literally enjoy waking up and boom, getting right to it. Like, so it's like, it doesn't feel like I have to like force it. And so I think that helps me have like, I guess, a stronger work ethic because I like really want to d- progress and get better. And I love what I do. So, but yeah, I've just always like my dad, even growing up, he was just always like, penny of push-up and like the more we did the more push-ups we did the more we got paid and that positive like reinforcement of like yo if i work hard if i do a bunch of push-ups i'm gonna make some money like and so i think even that carried over into like just you know growing up you work hard you see results kind of thing i guess if that makes sense so i love that i love that penny of push-up that's the cool motto that's a really really cool motto with my kid derek's gonna do it with noah and that because like it's just, it's one, you're not like having your kid lift all these weights, like it, but it keeps them active, but it instills that positive reinforcement. Like, Hey, if you like work hard, yeah, you're going to get, going to get a penny. Like, you do a hundred pushups you get a dollar. And as a kid, like a dollar, $2, $3. Yeah. I'd go spend that all at the local card shop though. Uh, funny. I'd blow it. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I, th- that's the one thing I noticed about you. It's funny because even with you, I think there's people who love what they do, but, and especially video directors, producers, et cetera, but right. no one quite knows their way around the edit bay like you do. And like, as far as like banging edits out, because that is like, those are the unseen hours. Those are the right. things that like, I, it's fun to be on set and direct a video shoot and, right. and uh, point at bikini clad chicks to move right. in one direction or the other right. but it's another when you get that oh you have all that footage back of a full day shoot which obviously is no small task either is obviously sets are their own beast right but i think yeah you're just your work ethic is so impressive just well, having seen yeah, that the close one, the one like little anecdotal story i have that i think speaks to exactly what you're talking about i remember it was I hadn't moved to LA yet. It was just before I had moved to LA to that loft. I think you had been to, you know, years ago. And there was this video that this guy was directing. His name was Rage. And he was directing this video for two pistols and something. I ended up low key directing it, but it was in LA and he wanted me to edit it. And we finished, we wrapped around 11 PM and he was just like, yeah, like, let me know when you can give me the edit back. And from LA, 
from the hotel that we were shooting at, I drove back to Arizona at like 1130 after I packed my car with all the gear. I got home around like, I think it was like 5.30, 6 a.m., something like that. Didn't go to sleep, threw my card into the computer, literally edited from, you know, like, I don't think 6.30 a.m. to noon, had him a cut, edited color, sent him like by, I don't know, like 2 p.m. And he literally like, he texted me, what the fuck? Like, he was just like, how the, he was blown away. And from that moment on, he brought me on to like, every one of his jobs that he was doing as like the DP or editor of some sort of fashion, mainly, you know, as an editor, he wanted me to like edit everything. And that got me a lot of pretty good jobs early on. And then that's when I like write around when I moved to LA and, and then he got me on some sets and like, so it's like, but I mean, I would say nine, maybe 95, 90% of the people, 5% of the people, maybe a hundred, you know, just wouldn't have done that. Like that was an extreme thing, but like, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to, you know, this was a director who had worked with Soldier Boy and Lil Wayne and stuff in the past. And so it's like, I just wanted to do whatever I could to like, you know, impress and like make sure like moving forward, you know, I had other opportunities. And so one, I was excited. I was passionate about it, but also like, yeah, I was just like, yo, I'm going to impress this dude. You know what I mean? I'm going to do yeah. it. So um, yeah, that, I mean, that, I think that's very much speaks to, you know, kind of the, the work ethic and whatnot. So. Well, was that always part of your plan in, in creating leverage? Cause I know even like a lot of the early videos you did for us, it was always like on a tight or no budget, right. you know what I mean? Was it when it, whether it was Samson or KID or even early Kyle stuff, um, was that always part of the plan? I mean, obviously like, like, I just feel like there's a lot of back and forth. It's a hot topic about, in today's culture, it's a hot topic about internships and working right. for free and, right. you know, um, right. what's your thought about that? Like, cause I know that you were always, you My, know, so, I mean, I think every situation is different for, for every person, but I'm, I will advocate for that, you know, like people are like, don't work for free. Don't work for free. I'm an advocate for it. Like all my early shit, futuristic. Kyle, Samson, they, they didn't, no one paid me. Like maybe like, yo, here's a hundred bucks. Thanks for your time. Like, I know you came all the way out here or whatever, but like I wasn't getting paid and I was kind of just hoping to, uh, on the back end, like eventually like build myself a reel and a body of work where I was just starting to like get hit up and paid all the time. But like, it was never my intention early on. Like, Oh, I'm only going to do paid work. Like I just wanted to do the work and build a body so that like I had something, um, you know, that people would want. And I think a lot of people, especially today, cause social media is very much and just like whatnot is very much more present right now than it even was. I don't know how long ago that 10 years ago. And so like today, I think everyone sees the flash in front of their eyes and what feels like instant success or people faking things or whatever and think like, like, Oh, I'm above, you know, internship or free work or whatever, and just expect to right away, like, you know, get paid. And it's like some, you gotta, you gotta lay the groundwork for what can be, you know, the future. And because I did that, I was able to work with so many more artists and build a YouTube channel with a massive following. And there's no way, like if I, early on, if Kyle KID at the time was just like, and I was like, yo, like four or 500 bucks a video, uh, I literally would never shot with him. Like he, he didn't have money to pay me $500 for a video. So the 20 videos we shot that are like 
living on buff nerds that were a part of my reel that got me bigger jobs with DY and Hoodie Allen that helped me climb a ladder. None of that would exist if I didn't, you know, just like, yo, let me shoot your shit. You're dope. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think people take for granted or, or don't even realize that the opportunity that just connecting with the right people, you know, um, can really have on, you know, your career and, and just things. So, um, yeah, I'm an advocate for, yo, do shit for free, you know, if it makes sense for you, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's just like, it, it really can open up your world, you know? And I think, um, I think especially in the film photography space, kids really understand that for the most part, just because right. so many of you guys are such proponents of it, you know? Um, but I mean, in this like social media, this attention economy world, it's like the value for quality content is just becoming, so, I mean, it's like, it, to me, it just seems like there's got to be more jobs for photographers and videographers than ever before. Oh, Cause it's like, everyone needs content. Like even, right. like even creative need content now. Like I was never thinking back then, Oh, let me get photos of me on set behind the things or videos so people can see me. And it, like, that was not a thought. Cause that wasn't like a thing that even like, like, directors or photographer, like, I don't know. It's not, they're just, there wasn't a social presence for those people where it was like, people will literally like, I hire people now to like come film me and do behind the scenes and do things like that wasn't a thing even 10 years ago. But like, so there's literally across the board, no matter what you do, you can be in fashion, you can be whatever, like people need people for content. So it's like, there's so many, like, yes, it is more oversaturated in the sense there's more photographers than ever, more videographers than ever, directors, whatever. But there's also two times or just as many people that need that kind of content as well, you know, just because of, you know, social media and, and just the way the whole world has, you know, moved and transitioned into. So, I mean, there's plenty, plenty of opportunities out there to build and grow. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, the, the way that I've always respected how strong you always have, like, uh, how strong you've always put forward your brand, you know? And this is one thing that Colin Tilly was also talking about was I think it was his first thing was just Colin Tilly presents and yours right. is always like, uh, you know, JOP or even buff right. nerds or whatever. Right. And you've always like been pretty front front facing with the brand. Like, do you have any advice about that with, with young filmmakers as well? Because I think, um, I think it's, or even yeah. just creative people, like putting your name on shit is powerful. I feel like, I know mean? you and I, even when we, when we've worked on projects together, like whether it's something that we've like co-directed or whatever, I'm always like, yo, I like, cause, and right. I probably learned that from you. I'm like, yo, I want to be a part of this directing credit because it's right. like, I know this is going to be good for my little creative right. space. Well, you right. know? I mean, I think more than even just your name, like, uh, like coming up with some sort of like brand, and branding because branding is everything like you could take like look how many different energy energy drinks there are now like and stuff that's popping up out of nowhere like bang for example all of a sudden there's this huge energy drink there and there's been classics in the game for a long time red bull monster or whatever and it's not like they invented that it's just the branding they brought into it and all of a sudden it's everywhere and it's like because of the branding and it's like with anything everything is just branding you know what i mean and and if you can get like, why do you know 
the uh he went to jared slogan over like any other jewelry place because it's like the branding and marketing they put forth like there's a million jewelry stores but you know he went to jared like that's like right so it's like branding you take that same concept into yourself as like a filmmaker and a creative you know what i mean and and like i was like what's you like when i was making the youtube channel and like oh what's my like production company going to be named or whatever was like what's but it started with the youtube channel it's like what's unique i didn't want to just be like jacob owens that had be my youtube channel i was like what's unique about me and the guy who i was actually like starting it with i was like well we're both like athletes and fit and typically like film people are kind of nerdy and techie they're not they're not athletes for the like i would say 95 percent of film people are not athletes and so i was just like yo we're kind of like buff nerds and it was just like that's it and so like i've always maintain i mean maintain this brand and persona of like yo i'm i'm an athletic i'm a buff nerd like you know what i mean and so people i don't know if they sometimes don't even know my name but there's been times i've been out in public or randomly and someone be like buff nerd like like they might not even know my name like i don't know but they know me as the buff nerd so yeah i mean that branding's super important you know i think yeah that's dope that's really dope um (laughs) So, so you're also just like, like with the work ethic, you're also just super productive. I feel like, can can you just walk us through like what your day looks like day to day? Like what time you wake up? What, what are your habits, routines? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty much on the nose every day, sometime around six o'clock waking up. Um, there's times I'll go through periods where I like wake up before the sun rises and I'll, I'll be pretty consistently. Other times it's right around in between the six or seven uh, hour. So what and time are you going to bed to, to make that happen? Like nine. I go to bed early now. My, my, you do. My, my fiance turned me into a little uh, early bird because she goes to bed so early and then it's slowly like come to bed, come to bed. And I'll usually like fall asleep to like some TV show in bed. But um, yeah, I'm usually laying down in bed by like nine o'clock. So, yeah, I mean, that, that allows me to get up at five, six, whatever, you know, kind of every day. But I like getting up early because you feel like you kind of got to jump on everything. But I get up and I'll pretty much, I do like a little daily devotional, pray, come out to pretty much then the first thing right after that is I come out to my computer and I check my emails um, and just do a little like look at my to-do list of like, okay, this is what I have to do today. Is there anything else? And I, I always have like a little to-do list on the corner my screen because i just want to kind of gauge like okay this is what i'm going to be doing today i'll be at home most of the day or i might go to the prison warehouse you know just depends and so i'll do a little computer work for probably hour hour and a half maybe and then um now i got my home gym so now i can just like pop right in there and i'll go work out but usually work out come back and then yeah just work on a bunch of different stuff on the computer all day whether it's stuff for tropicolor making new ads for tropicolor or prism um, coming out with creative ideas, editing, if I got an editing project, um, you know, working on maybe like some new YouTube stuff, emails, whatever. And I'll pretty much work on that stuff for the rest of the day. If I don't have like a shoot or anything and might bop over, if I'm here in Arizona, bop over to the prison warehouse. But it's like every day can vary so much because sometimes there's like at the filming locations, if I'm in LA, there might be a shoot. And so I might site rep or I might go out to the desert, go get props for one of the new spots or like, you know, so there's so many different little things, but that go on and, and can happen in the day um, that it just kind of is super, super varies. But then, yeah, wind down, go to bed, nine o'clock and 
kind of do it all over again. So um, how with, with all your different businesses and stuff, it's like you, you have your business partner, Tom, and yeah. obviously you guys have some employees and stuff like that. But right. like, is there any real like, are you pretty much just working off of your to-do list and just like adding things to it? Or is there any real like organizational thing that you guys are doing in order to like, no, like we literally, we, me and him are like, like the same, like we just, we're wired the same. We're both hard workers. And like, like, I mean, I don't know what he does on his end, but like I'll hit him and be like, yo, can you retransfer me those files today? I'm going to work on this edit and don't forget to make that new order for prison. And you know, he'll be like, got it. And then like, that's, that's our like form of like, here's what to do. You know, there's no like calendar and schedule. And like, even like the other day I was like, yo, we don't have any content for our two new filters. Let's do a quick little trip. And so we were like, all right. So we just gathered two of the homies and we went up to the dunes and shot a bunch of like photos, videos and stuff. And now I just got back yesterday. And now, you know, over the next few days, I'm going to be working on editing all that content for new ads, Facebook website, whatever. And I'm handling that. And he's back in LA just working on the courses. He FaceTimed me this morning and was like, yo, look at the new edits I'm doing for the courses. I think this will be dope. And so like, that's really it. We just like, we literally call each other like 20 times a day. Cause it's just like, yo, I'm doing this. Like, yo, I'm doing this. And then, or if he wants to show me something cool, he'll FaceTime me or whatever. But we have absolutely no sort of organizational calendar schedule, like Monday Slack or whatever people use. Like we don't use any of that. We just yo, this is what I'm doing. He'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is what I'm doing. So that's right. It, that, that piques my curiosity about just like, like general, like task switching. So I've read this book by this guy named Cal Newport called deep work. And his, his basically he, his, like the premise of the book is talking about just how much more important, like deep work is What's for both deep work is basically like uninterrupted focused, mm. creative, like it, it almost puts you into a flow state, right? Where right. it's like, I think for you, you, I think in the edit there, there's probably times where like, you'll be so locked in on the edit that two hours will go by and you won't even know what happened, right. but you made crazy progress. Right? right. And I think that when you're directing a video, it's something like when you're on set and you're directing like time hours will go by and you're locked in, you're not looking at your phone, you're not distracted, right. you're not answering emails or phone calls or texts. You're just like locked in on the creative. And I think it's interesting because I think for you, you ha you're an executive in how you run all your businesses. And like, even I know that when I deal with you, I'm like, it's pretty like, sometimes it's like, you're, you're very responsive. Right. It, like, especially for the fact that you have all, not only do you have all these businesses going on, but then you have these like solid bouts of like focused uninterrupted attention that you have to do while you're on set directing a video or whatever. Right. Like, how do you, how do you manage that? Do you like, are you ever like, cause, cause here's the thing. I'm sure at any given time of day, there's things from email that are like pulling you. There's things from social media that are pulling you. There's employees and fires that need to be put out, but you have to focus on an edit or you have to focus on a, like, do you, I mean, I know you probably don't think about it much, but maybe just take me into that space. And I totally, yeah, well, I, I totally even forgot, like it was part of my daily schedule. Uh, actually the first thing probably along with those emails, I manage and post and do all the seven social media accounts too. I forgot about that. So <laughs> yeah. there's like Tropic, Honeymoon, Eclectic, Barracks, Buff Nurse, Tropic Color, Prism, like every single one of them. Like I answer all the DMs. I 
post the, you know, the content, I think, you know, so I do all that in the morning as well, get that done and out of the way. And then every periodically throughout the day, we'll go in and like, see, Oh, Tropicolor has five new messages trying to answer them all or like retake. Cause the, honestly, the biggest thing I think for the growth of all, I don't want to forget your question either. So don't let me forget the biggest thing for why we were able to grow. I think all the companies and so quickly is, is the social media and the responsiveness and like that personal connection. Cause like, the way on Prism, like we repost people's stories when they tag us. And like, uh, I talked to every person that messaged me, love your filters. I like it. Thank you so much. Appreciate your support. Like it builds in this, like just utter trust and like people want to support us and come back. And I think we've been able to grow so quickly because of that, because we don't feel like some faceless company that has like, you know what I mean? And so um, that's an integral part to a lot of what I do. And I think helps every facet of the business, but going back to that. Yeah. There is times where I feel like I have so much going on and I, I am relatively, I feel like pretty responsive. I'm sure there's times where people are like, yo, Jake's not responding, whatever. But I, I feel like, yeah, I just do a really good job at like, for the most part, if something pops up, take care of it, then go back to, to what I'm doing. And it doesn't really break my, I guess, flow. Like a lot of a lot of people might like that might completely take them out of it, but I feel like I have a pretty good, for the most part, a pretty good handle on being able to, to jump around. There are, there are times where I'm like, like I, I might want to like, like this person, like I haven't heard from them uh, for three weeks. And then like, they're like, Hey, we need this now, or we want to do this. And then if I don't respond they're like, Hey, question mark, I'm just like, I haven't heard from you in three weeks. I'm doing all this shit right now. You can, you can have 30 minutes. You can wait 30 minutes. Like I just want to like go off on them and be like, yeah, yeah. but um, no, I mean, I feel like for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Cause I know it bothers me. Like if like, you know, Tom, for example, my business partner, or just anyone else, if I'm like hitting them up, asking them questions, or if I inquire about something, like even with a, like a company, like I just ordered all my equipment from, you know, Rogue and like, I emailed them because there's nuts and bolts missing and five days passes and I haven't got an email. Um, and then I DM them. They never looked at the DM. They never respond. Well, of course they never responded to the DM because they never even saw it. They're just like, shit, like this sucks. Like I don't want to be, have someone be on the other side of that for me or my, or one of my companies, like, like where, Oh, this company doesn't answer DMs or, Oh, this Jake doesn't, you know, I don't know. I just feel like, right. Like, I don't want to be, I know how frustrating it can be on the other end of that. So I try my best to just like, oh yeah, boop, 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 boop. So yeah, I mean, it can get overwhelming at times for sure. But delegation, delegation is key. Right, right. That, that's what you do too. Like we used to, me and Tom used to answer the emails for like Prism and Tropic when we started. It started getting to a point where we we're growing and it was too big. So we hire people like you and you, you pass that on off to someone else. You start, you got to learn to like, delegating so the question people ask me a lot is like how do you run all these businesses or whatever and it's like well you just you delegate you find people to handle it like now we have a warehouse manager at prism so me and tom don't have to go in there every single day and like what needs to be done do we need to build anything do we need to order anything what orders do we need to ship out now we have someone that's like taking care of that and then be like hey jake we're low on this and i'll be like, all right cool order it you know so um that's that's the other key is learning how to delegate it's hard. It's hard though to like release, hand over the controller um, when you're so used to like early on doing everything. You know, 
That's yeah, the hard part. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're especially because I think that you're so hands on. You're good at doing everything. You know what right. I mean? When it comes to like, you've taught yourself each facet of all these businesses. So right. you can do it at a high level. I always think that's important. Right. Even when you're growing your business, it's like, you need to know, like as a music manager, I need to know about every aspect of the music, music industry. Right. So yeah. So that way, like when I am going to hire somebody or when we're going to hire, you know, subcontractors, video directors, or social media people, or photographer, like whatever we're going to do. It's like, it's good to know the job. Right. And then that way you can tell someone, but I guess that's interesting too, because I think just seeing you scale all your businesses with how, how hands-on I know you are. Um, I think that that's probably something that like, you've probably had to be like, okay, you know, I need to, I, I'm, I'm okay taking my hands off this. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like yeah, allowing I mean, somebody else to do it. We're making a big change right now to prism. Cause like I said before, it's always just been me and Tom, but now that we move the warehouse, we have people taking care of the warehouse that like are making sure everything's good orders are going out. But even on the creative side, it's like for all the ads that we need to make social content, just, we, we don't even do like email marketing and all this other like backend stuff, website, like what, like we built the website, but we don't like do SEO. We don't have uh, email marketing. There's so many more things that go into like that can grow and scale a business. And funny enough, this like company reached out to us and they're like, yo, we actually like use your guys stuff and we love it. Like we're a creative agency. We want to take on like doing creative, you know, ads for you, creative content. Um, building you guys out a new website that's like more e-commerce friendly. And like, we want to do the back end email. And we're, we're just kind of like, it was like a big ask on their part. Like they were going to be doing a lot, but it was also like, this is what it's going to cost. And we're both me and Tom were like, damn, like, like one, you can't, you can't grow or, you know, progress without taking any sort of risk. But two is like, that would actually relieve a lot of stress off our plate on like, Oh, we got to go create content for this new filter. We can just be like, Hey guys, here's the new filter shipping it to you in the mail. Go create a new ad for it. Some new IG content, some new, whatever, you know what I mean? And now we can focus on some of the other stuff that maybe we want to focus more on or something that's maybe more lucrative or whatever it is that we want to do. If we want to make a short film now we can, or content that we want to make, like just outside of even our businesses, we can go and do that or take on a project that comes our way that before maybe we were like, too busy to or something so but that's like something that recently just happened where we kind of had to like let go a little bit and just like we'll see what happens but um yeah yeah absolutely are you having to turn down like a lot of work when it comes to like music video directing stuff I'm not or? having to i'm choosing to right like, right I, I have this conversation with tom in the car when i'm driving and he's in the same boat i am like man like there's nothing better and more fun than like make creating and building your own thing. Like when I'm doing a video, I'm directing a video for someone else. Like technically I'm, I'm their hired contracted worker. Like, yes, I'm directing the video and it is partly like my vision or whatever. But at the end of the day, like if they want something changed about it or whatever, I have to like, okay, like sure. And like, so building and working on your own ish, whether it is, videos, films, a company, uh, you know, online film school, whatever. It's like, it's so much more rewarding and you have no one telling you what to do. Like you do whatever the hell you want to do. And I would much rather do that any day of the week than direct a music video, um, for someone and, and, you know, I don't know, 
like if the right project comes along, absolutely. I'll do it. Like, you know, I'll, if I want to do it. Um, so it's, it's great to like have that choice or options. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone should kind of strive to like basically do what you want to do. You know what I mean? But it's not that I have to turn down stuff. It's that I, you know, just choose. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense for where you're at and like what you want to be spending your time on. Um, T- tell me a little bit about your your schooling. I know you have like some fuck film school merch or like something like that, right? Tell me a little bit about because you do have a background in film school, but yeah. like, but but talk a little bit about that versus how like even some of that has uh, crossover into your professional career and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, well, the fuck film school thing just came from like one day just joking around and we're like, yo, like because we were making our online film school. And we're just like, yo, fuck film school. And then I was like, yo, we should put that on a hat. And so that's where that merch came from. But yeah, it was just like, we went to both me and Tom went to film school. I think he still owes money from film school. And I'm sure there's a lot of kids that are still in debt from school, whether it is school, like actual school or film school. And you pay that off. And we're just kind of like, yo, let's make our own version of like film school. That's like short, condensed, teaches you what you would be taught in film school, but in a more like kind of hands-on creative a visual way um, that you can just do from the comfort of your own home and stuff. And cause we also just kind of saw the, the trend and uptick and just like everything's moving online. You know what I mean? Like so, so much of everything's online. And I think um, that's just like where everything is just continuing to head. And so we just kind of built out, yeah, like our own online film school and we plan to continue to like grow that, build that, and maybe do other like little branches of it. You know what I mean? Right now we have learned cinematography, we have learned music videos, and then, you know, one day it could be learn documentaries. It could be learn, you know, whatever. That's like kind of what we want to build and, and stuff we want to work on. So that's what I'm saying. Like we enjoy doing that stuff. And so to have the opportunity to like work on that and yeah, turn down something else. Cause we want to do that is, is always really cool. But been going good um people really like it and it's cool to just see like people like message us like yo i went to film school for two three years i've learned way more in your course than i ever did at c whatever university and we're just like sick like that's tight yeah um just like was that your was that your experience with with film school when you were in film school the only thing i got out of film school is I got, I guess I got to work with some equipment that I would have not got to work with if I was not in film school. Like, I mean, at the time the 5d Mark II was like the best camera and like I had the T2i and my film school had that as well as some lights and gear and stuff, but it's not like you got to like constantly take that off campus and use it or whatever. I don't know. Like I didn't learn too much. And so the same thing kind of went for, you know, Tom, he had a much more, uh, I guess a, a much better film school experience than I did. Like I just didn't get along with my teachers cause I was always dipping off to like shoot videos for Samson and Kyle and like going to Cali. And so then I'd come back having missed a couple classes and not really whatever. And so I had beef with like my teachers and stuff. And so, yeah, my whole kind of mantra was just like, I wanted to drop out of film school. I wasn't even going anyways. I started becoming like, I guess, successful before I even graduated by getting paid and starting to grow all these views and, you know, whatnot on YouTube and get booked for videos. And I was like, I don't need film school. I never needed film school. Like, look. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where that whole mantra came from. But yeah, I mean, everyone's experience is different, but we wanted to create something that was 
you know, our version of it, something more condensed and fun that, you know, you could learn if you didn't, if you didn't have 50 to 75 G's to, you know, take out a loan on and go to school. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, just the university system in general and the, the college system in general is about to get completely yeah. like rewritten. I feel like it's about that time, you know, cause I don't know. It's like a, it's a crazy, I mean, it's a big business, right? right. But it's also just like, yeah, I kind of had that well, moment. I, I in feel like life more, more, I feel like more and more as time progresses, like, like what I said, everything's moving online. You're going to be able to learn any skill or like thing that you want. So it's like, if that's as far as what you're trying to learn, if it's, you're trying to learn something or learn a business or learn how to do and operate something like business school, you can find some crazy amount of videos, informational booklets, things, uh, master classes or whatever on business on YouTube or some master classes someone put together, like moving forward, like that stuff's going to become more prevalent. And I feel like you're going to be able to learn whatever you want to learn. What school is great for is like, the experience, building relationships, connections to potentially people that like, I know like for like sororities and like uh, frats, like a lot of those times, those relationships that you build there, like lead to opportunities outside of school, like once you've graduated or whatever. So like the relationship aspect is, is something that I think school is, is great for um, and the connections that you get from it. But as far as like learning a skill or craft or like like getting like there's so many kids that go through school graduate and then they come out and can't get a job or can't find a job and they just went to school for four years for that to get a degree for the job they want and they can't even get it so yeah i mean i think so much of any of anything is it's just the right connections people and are you good at what you do you know what i mean so um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, your 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 film school early in your career kind of was just like directing free videos for up and coming artists yeah. and like yeah. meeting different people and kind of like putting yeah. your name I out mean, there, you know? That's what it was like the stuff for Kyle Sampson, uh, I think maybe SK at the time. And then like using that work to reach out to DY. And then like I reached out and he saw that and he was like, Yeah, oh, I'm down to let you shoot one of my videos. And so DUI was kind of like up here. And so I kind of climbed that ladder a little bit. I shot a video for him. And then Hoodie Allen, who was up here, saw the video I did for DUI. And he was like, yo, I want you to do a video. So I kind of went up here. And so it's like just doing that, like free work early on, just kind of like helped me like, you know, bounce and climb. But yeah, that was my film school. I learned way more stuff just actually going out, shooting, doing and editing and like just like learning through experience than I ever did sitting in the this is a classic movie from 1956. This is the, uh, the if you notice here, like, 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 what's that? <laughs> yeah. That? So, yeah. Uh, Which I think is so powerful. I think that like, it, it, just the idea of like discovering by doing something like right. the best way to like, even for me, the best way to learn how to be a music manager is to get an artist and manage them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right just manage an artist and figure it out. And granted, there's, there's tons of stuff you could probably learn through books or online or whatever. One of the biggest things would probably actually like meeting a music uh, manager and being under them, learning from them, having them as a mentor. But yeah, at the same time, like actually just doing it and figuring it out as you go. Like I always say the biggest thing for, for me is like jumping off the cliff and learning to fly on the way down. Like with, with anything, that's what I've always done. Like that's what happened with the film properties. I, I'd never read a book about like opening a film studio or a film property. I'd never looked into anything online. It was just like, yo, 
I have this idea. I want to turn my house into a film studio, a retro film studio where people can come shoot. And this is my idea. And I just went with it. And it was like, I remember being scared, like, damn, I'm about to buy this expensive house in LA and try and turn it into this film studio. What if, what if no one wants to shoot here? What if I spend all this time and money and not a single person wants to book this spot? Like, I was like, that suck, but I just did it and, and it worked out. And then I learned the things that worked great about it and the things that like, oh, I could have done this better. And then when I got the second spot, like instantly knew like what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And like, it just keeps, you know what I mean? Like you learn as you go hundred percent, but like, had I not just jumped off the cliff and like tried, like I definitely would not have three film properties right now. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Cause uh, and, and once you went, and once you're in uh like once you take the risk, right. Like once you sign the lease on the film property, it's like, you're going to figure out how to make it work right. because you well, don't want it. Cause no, you don't want the sunk cost. Yeah. Right. And you have no choice to like, so it's like, yeah. Like when you throw yourself off that cliff, it's like, I just feel like you, you have so much better of an opportunity to be successful, learn and grow. And you might fail, you know what I mean? But it's better than to like, not have tried and be like, Oh, what if like, you know, like I, to this day, I think one the eclectic West is like the smartest thing like I've ever done low key because it was right on the heels of the first film property. And jokingly my fiance Chanel in the car was like, Oh, we should get a second one. And I was like, yeah. And like, I just immediately we were headed to like Rose Bowl flea or something like that. And I just started looking on Zillow. I knew I always wanted like a, like a desert property, just like out in the middle of nowhere where you could do a bunch of crazy shit. And, and I just started like going into Adelanto sky map and like zooming in and like zooming in. And I found the spot and I was like, Oh, this is it literally on the car ride to uh, where we were going to the flea market. I called the realtor. I was like, Hey, can I see this on Monday? It was the weekend. She's like, yeah, absolutely. Went and saw it by myself. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, I put in an offer that week, had the paperwork done. Got it. How long, like, how long did you had, had you, did you have the previous property? I think like four months. I think we, we had two months of like kind of furnishing it, building it out, making sure it was all good. And then two months of like being like open and running and people were shooting. And then it was just like, yo, it's yeah. Joking. She was joking though. And I was like, okay. But I remember even before that, I was like, yo, this spot is an hour and a half outside of LA. It's just like desert land with some random ish on it. But I saw it was like, I would want to shoot here. You know what I mean? Like I could see myself doing all this cool stuff here. So if, if I would do that, I know other people would too. You know what I mean? Like, and so that was kind of what I kept coming back to, but it was like, it was a huge risk. Again, I buy this money or buy this, buy this property and spend all this money and all this time. And what if like, it's just way too far away or no one thinks it's cool. Like I do. And like, I spent all this time and money again, putting into, you know, this property and like absolutely no one books it and it does absolutely nothing. Then like, how am I going to turn and sell this place? Because like I bought it because of what it was for what I wanted to do. But like, what if, oh, you know, shit, what if I, I didn't even think about that. That's so true because it was probably sitting on the market. Nobody probably wanted it. Yeah. It was sitting on the market for a long time. And so that was like, that was definitely like a, like it could have been a massive, I mean, you could have just been sitting on a, right. but you had no excuse, but to make it work. Right. Yeah. So like, then I went, started going in on it and I just kept coming back to like, yo, I could see a movie being shot here. I could see myself like just wanting to shoot all these music videos or short films here. So if I want to, other people will, if I want to, other people will, that's what I like kept coming back to. And, 
and yeah, sure. And then I had a bigger vision for it too, by like adding the plane crash side and the gas station convenience store. And I knew the more I did those things would probably draw out more people and stuff. And, um, but again, like that's also like an extra money and time that I have to take to do this. And what if no one does, but yeah, I mean, it all worked out and we're just constantly booked now out there. So it's like, um, but I look back and go, damn, if I wouldn't, if I wouldn't have done that, like, I just can't imagine not having that property right now. Like, like I just, uh, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you took a leap of faith. Yeah, Quick question just, from the time you, you, you like signed the, whatever the loan documents are, or whatever, like w- w- from the time you bought it to the, for, to the first like time it rented out, how long was of a period was that? Well, I think probably like a month because I spent like the first month, like cleaning it up moving trash around, uh, buying the airplane parts to build out that taking pictures, which is like another thing. Like, where do you get crashed airplane parts? I like I got, lucky, I got so lucky on that because no joke, two miles from the property is an airplane boneyard where it's just like scraps of like crashed planes and random shit. So I went over there, uh, cause the realtor told me about it. Cause I told her, she's like, what are you going to do with this place? Like, she's like, why are you buying it? And I was like, well, this is what I want to do. And like, I want to have like a plane crash. I want to do this and that. She was like, you know, there's like a, a airplane boneyard, like two miles down the road that way. And I was like, what? Like that. So I drove over there. I just kind of like met them, kicked it with them. Uh, told them I had just bought a property over there and I was thinking about, you know, building an airplane crash site. And he's like, okay, like that's cool. And I was like, do you sell this stuff? He's like, Oh, usually like rent it out. Like to like, I guess they rent out some of that stuff to like, like a Hollywood movie that needs to like crash a fuselage and light something off fire. So they'll rent like, and like star Wars, Disneyland, they went and bought a bunch of like parts. They actually bought a bunch of parts from there to like build out the new, like star Wars land, like engines and just like random things and whatnot. But he was like, yeah, we could like, we usually do like these bigger things, but we're down to like sell some stuff to you. And, and I just kind of made friends with him. His name's Steve over at the airplane boneyard. And I literally was like, probably it was like one or two parts a week. Cause they, they would have to like load it up on this bed, this crane, these pieces onto this giant truck bed, drive it over there, get a crane, drive it over there, crane it off. And I had to like be there to like, yo, position it right there. And they had to like try and turn it and position it off a crane and land it. And so I literally like for the course of a month, like every week would go back there and like buy a piece. They would like, okay, yeah, we'll deliver this later today. Meet them at the property tell them where to put it. So like I spent the other thing that's impressive too. And I think that a lot of this has to, I think that you, this fearlessness that you have to just like do whatever it takes is so impressive too, because a lot of people think might think like you're thinking about it as like an opportunity, but I'm almost even thinking about it as like, it's an hour and a half outside of LA in the middle of the fucking desert. So, and then and it doesn't even exist. And you're thinking, I got to drive out there to and from right. in order to just like, and then you're craning in fucking airplane parts and shit. And I think that like, I just think that you're, this is just another testament to just your like willingness to just do the work. Cause I could imagine like what those days were like, even right. getting it in that first month that you had it going like you were, you going out there like almost every day? Back yeah. I mean, from? I was going, no, I was going out there probably like three days a week. I'd go out there. I had like a dumpster brought out there and I was just like, I mean, there was trash everywhere. Some of the, like the sheds were just filled with junk and stuff and like just hauling and tossing stuff. Then I would like, yeah, the crane people would come over. Yo, I want this here. And I was like, just 
um, buying furniture pieces and different props and stuff that I wanted like in the cabin or in the shed like areas and like bringing them up in my Durango and then placing them. And I mean, it was pretty much me solo for like the first probably month, um, month and a half, like doing all this stuff. And then, um, I got, uh, Chanel was like never trying to go out there. She's like, I'm not going out to the desert. And then every once in a while, like if there was something I needed, really needed help with a friend would come out. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty much me solo just out there, just trying to move and do everything. And yeah, the whole time, like, hope this works, <laughs> like, hope, you know, like, Hopefully yeah. I was like, well, regardless, like if, if people don't come shoot out here, it's like, at least I'll have like a, this cool property. I could come like rip motorbikes on or like, uh, I don't know, like shoot my own little shorts and dune buggy out here. Cause there's like, it's pretty popular out there for people that have like dune buggies and motorbikes and cause the salt flats is like five minutes away. So I was like, at the very least, like I have this like cool piece of land that I can always come to and do some stuff with friends or something or make some short films. But, um, yeah. I mean, just like, again, it was just like, I had a little bit of faith because again, going back to it, if I know I like it, other people will like it, but also like I had kind of previously done it with this house in LA, turned it into a film spot. So piggybacking off of that, like, Hey guys, like I, you know, I just opened up my second spots, desert landscape with all this stuff. Like there was, there was already going to be some driving traffic from people from you know loving the first spot it's like oh cool now he has this like land that we can come through at like so yeah it's like although there was like it was a big risk like there's still a little bit of like that like backing of like okay this is gonna work it's already worked before this is just gonna be maybe a little bit more challenging to like get get going you know what i mean and it was slow at first for sure like maybe like two bookings a month or something like in but like, I mean, I was brand new and the next thing you know, it'd be three or four a month. And and now we're sitting at anywhere from 15 to 20 a month. Like just wow. of, damn near every other day, there's a shootout there. So wow. it's just like, yeah, uh, that's why I look back and go like, that would have been the most, like, I can't believe I ever doubted myself. And that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not that I doubted myself, but that there was any sort of doubt, but I feel like that's what I was talking about earlier when it's like, you just never know. Like, and so I think it's better to like fail and be like, all right, that didn't work. And you learn from that. Then like, oh man, what could have been? Cause I could have easily been sitting here right now thinking, oh, what could have been like, if I would have got that spot, man. Like, right. You know how, I mean? how do you, how, how do you evaluate like the risk on something um, like that? Cause obviously it's like, you know, unless you're buying the property outright, you're taking out so, a mortgage on it. And well, so that one I bought outright. Um, okay. Just, just for the reason of that, I didn't want a mortgage on it. And so, um, just in case like it didn't work, I didn't have all these, you know, payment that was paid off. There was no, um, extra stuff like every month oh, I have to pay a mortgage on the spot. Um, and so, but I feel like real estate wise is always a relatively like kind of safe investment because you're putting your money into that house, right? So you're not spending it on a car or a TV or something that when you buy it, you're, it's devaluing and you can't get your money back for that thing. So that money is still sitting there. It's just in the house in the, or the property. You know what I mean? And so my mind safety net wise is always going back to like, if this doesn't work out for whatever reason, I could probably turn around and sell this place eventually. And it might take, it might happen in two months. It might happen in two years, but this money is going to come back to me in some fashion outside of like, 
me buying like the plane parts and stuff. But even then, like I could have gone back there and be like, Hey, I don't want these anymore. Like I could have gotten probably some money back and they would have bought them back from me. Maybe, you know, at this right. oh, it's like, right. I kind of always had this safety of like, this isn't, I guess that was me. Um, like what you're saying, like analyzing the risk of being like, okay, like right, this yeah. isn't just being thrown in the trash can. I'll never see this money again. You know what I mean? And so I think that's kind of how I also looked at it, which helps helped me kind of be like, yeah, like I'm not going to. And that's the, and that's the value of real estate right there too. I know real estate is a pretty big part of your, like not only your business, your investment portfolio and stuff like that. Cause you, you've like owned homes and flipped them and rent them out. And that's like technically the, technically the other business, you know, I don't have like an LLC for it. I just do it all through like, um, actually, no, I take it back. I do. Um, um, but yeah, I bought, the first house. Cause I wanted a house that when I came back from LA, I was, you know, renting in LA. And, but like when I came back to Arizona, I was always crashing on my parents. But at this time I'm like 25. Yeah. I was 25. And I was like, okay, like, I don't want to have to always like come back and be sleeping, you know, at my parents' crib. And so I was like, Oh, you know, I can get my own house now. And so I bought the house and literally after I bought it, got it furnished, I had to like jet to LA for like, a month, like, because I was doing the stint of all this stuff. And my mom was like, why don't you throw it on like Airbnb or something while you're gone? I was like, oh, okay. And this was right at like spring training in Arizona. Like when all the baseball teams are coming out here for spring training, cause that's huge out here. And I threw it up and no joke, like a day later after I threw it on Airbnb, uh, someone inquired about renting it out for three minor league baseball players. Cause sometimes they're up in hotels or things, but they like, um, they wanted to rent it out for two months of while we're, they were there for spring training. And I was like, Oh shit. I was like, and it was going to be a huge payday. I ended up getting like way too greedy. It was like, Oh, actually it's going to be this kind And they like backed out, but, uh, it started booking out because people were coming to town for spring training. There's just a lot of stuff that happens in Tempe area because by ASU college town and whatnot. And, and so it just started booking out constantly on Airbnb. And I was like, Oh damn, like, Okay. So it ended up just becoming an Airbnb like property. I'd come back to town and I'd stay at my parents' place because there was someone booked in the Airbnb. (laughs) I maybe slept there all of maybe two nights. Like, and like, it was like custom to me. I had like ASU football bench in there and movie poster signs and everything. And it was really nice and cool, but like I slept there. Yeah. Probably all of two times. And it just was like an Airbnb property. And then like a year of that, I was like, I'm going to do that again. And so I bought this other property and my mom actually like kind of was an investor in that in a way she put like the like money in to flip it. So I bought the house and then we ended up flipping it together and she put up the money to like flip it. And then we flipped it and then put it on Airbnb cause it was like old and ratty and we made it all like nice and new and decorated together. And it was like fresh and it looked cool. And we threw it on Airbnb and then that was the Airbnb. So at that time I had two Airbnbs, Still no house to live in back in Arizona. I was still at my parents when I, <laughs> when I did come back. And then I was off in LA when I was in LA. And, and then finally, like the next, the following year, I was like, all right, I need a house. Like I need to stop. Like I, I have the money to keep buying these properties. And, and I would just take all the money that that one house earned from that year. And that's how I bought the, the second one. You know what I mean? And so then I had all the money from both those Airbnbs for the, those two years. And then that's how I bought this house. But like, I finally was like, all right, I was coming back to AZ for a while. I wanted my own house and I found a house in my parents' neighborhood 
I was just like, oh, this is it. This is me. Had a full court basketball court in the back, huge yard. Like it was just, uh, you know, a minute walk from my parents in like in a nice neighborhood. And I was like, this is, this is what I want. So I bought this place. Um, this, this place I'd live at when I'm here and whatnot, but I don't rent it out. But yeah, so I kind of like ended up just getting into real estate accidentally, but then, um, and did that spark, did that pique your interest on even some of like getting into these film locations? Because once you started seeing how real so estate that, worked. So that's what exactly what happened. So I realized, okay, on Airbnb, I'm renting it out for 150 a night. Well, I could rent a film property out for 150 an hour. And I was like, so my ceiling for an Airbnb property in a month might be four, five, six K depending on the month, but a film property could be 10, 20, 30, you know what I mean? Like, wow, the ceiling's much higher for a film property. And so then that's when I was just like, rather than buying another property in Arizona and renting it out as an Airbnb, that's when I bought the California place and turned it into what is the honeymoon hideout. And that's when I did like the first film property. And so, um, yeah. And then that's just kind of like, so yeah, I think in total, cause then I bought the eclectic West then I bought my brother's house next door. And so in total, I think there's about five or six, I think properties. So it's like, yeah, I'm kind of like, I guess a real estate investor. investor. Like I don't have like a real estate, I don't have like a real estate business, but like, I kind of do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so right. yeah, like, yeah, but I, I like it. I, I mean, I grew up watching HGTV with my mom all the time. So that, I think that's where part of like that interest comes from too. And again, it's like, it's creating, it's curating spaces for other people to either come stay or sleep or uh, shoot. You know, it's like, it's, it's just fun to see people want to come and use my space. Like something I made, like I decorated it. I, built it, I, whatever. And so it's like, it feeds that other part of like that creative brain. So you're not like, I'm very ADD in that way. Like, I don't like to do the same thing over. Like if all I had to do for the rest of my life or all I could do is shoot music videos or direct music videos, I'd go insane. Like I just right. I like to do so many different things. And I think that feeds into just that other part of like doing something different, you know, and, and challenging and creative or, or whatever. So yeah. Um, kind of wild just kind of happened right uh, right no i love it i love it it's been amazing to watch your journey bro like i'm really impressed and inspired by you and i i appreciate your your friendship brotherhood over the years absolutely um yeah thanks for your time man i one one last thing i know we're we're both like hoopers and that's like kind of like basketball I, i use it as just like a through line as kind of like with this student of the game brand and like concept behind it is just that like, to me, that's kind of like, uh, where I learned to be a student of the game. And I think that's just an important pillar. And I think, you know, um, but what, what is something that you're like learning right now? What is something that you would consider yourself a student of right now? Man. Um, probably just, That's a good question. What am I a student of right now? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if there's one thing in particular right now, like that I can like pinpoint, but yeah, I feel like you always have to be a student of the game. Like you never know everything period. Like there's always areas where you can learn and grow and learn 
uh, different, you know, facets of whatever industry you're in. And so I think it's just always kind of being aware of what's going on, what's hot right now or where trends are moving. And I think that maybe, maybe I guess that would be the thing is like analyzing and being a student of like where, where things are headed. Because then if you can be the first one to the punch on anything, then you did it first and other people are just copying you or emulating you, or you've already built up this thing before the other people try and come in and, and, you know, start their thing and you have a leg up because you were, you're being aware of like where trends were moving. So maybe that might be the thing if I could pinpoint it is like, all right, where, where's, where's stuff headed? And like, how could I be the first or get there first before other people? Amazing. Be- yeah, no, I can, I can tell, I can tell you're a student of the game just by how like, much you like dive into just different crafts, you know, and it's like, you gotta, in order to like do that, you gotta learn fast and like, I learn fast and, and, and take the risks and chances. Like that's the biggest thing because like, that's how you learn too. That's like, that's how I've learned to do how to operate a rental property because I just jumped into it. That's how I learned to do a film studio. That's how I learned it. Every you learn by just jumping into it. And so I think jumping into it's one of the other biggest things is not sitting and waiting. Like you can sit and wait and try and learn from afar all you want, but until you actually jump in that shit and like our, the water's coming in and you're like, all right, gotta, I gotta figure this out. I think that's like where you just see the, the, the most progress and potential to like, just like, grow and, and, and be successful, you know, just taking, taking those risks. It's scary, it's scary as hell. Every time it's, it's always like, ah, oh, am I, is this, is this the right move? But, you know, I think that's also like keeps you like humble and, and like hungry and, and you have a good potential of being successful. Cause you're not just like, Oh yeah, I got this shit figured out. Like this is going to work. Like, you know what I mean? There's always that little bit of like, I think doubt or like that little bit of like uh, uncertainty, like pushes you to, to make it work. Like kind of what we're talking about. It really like, at least for me, it motivates me to like, no, I'm gonna make this shit work. So I'm not wrong. Like, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. Do you have a, um, do you have like a favorite failure? A favorite failure. From, cause from the outside looking in, it looks like it's just, it's all wins from, from your coming from your end. <laughs> That's what Chanel says. She says she's like, Jake, like you have the Midas touch, like everything you do, like it just works out because she, she failed at like, not, and I don't want to say failed, but like it didn't work out for like, the clothing business that she did her store. Like she had to close that. And like, and like a lot of people, I think can relate to a lot of those things where it's just like, yo, like it doesn't feel like what I do like wins. And um, she always says like, it's easy for you because like to just jump into stuff because everything you do wins and it's like, you know, um, everything you do works out. But I think, I think that's because of one, the work ethic and, and, and everything, but <sighs> there, there are things that I've like failed. Like the only thing that I can say, like, that I guess I, I failed at as I tried to, but you just take it and pivot it. Like I, I wanted to start this company called Aerial Stock. There wasn't a, a, a platform out there for just stock footage for aerial footage. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This, this is, it doesn't exist. Like stock footage sites exist, but they're overpriced. They do have aerial footage, but there's nothing curated to just aerial footage from all over the world. And we were trying, me and Tom were trying to do too many things while doing that didn't put enough bandwidth and effort into it. And so it just kind of like fizzled out and like we stopped working on it. And because 
we weren't seeing like a crazy amount of sales, but our attention was way elsewhere with other stuff. So we just kind of like, like, oh yeah, we'll get to it. And then never did. And so it just like, then we just stopped and like, ah, let's act it. So it's like, but then we just took that like recently and transitioned it. And we're just like, yo, let's just make that a pillar of tropic color where we do st- like stock packs of footage and people can download like stock packs and we'll, we'll bundle it on tropic color. And so it's like, like just learning from that failure and be like, you know, okay, that didn't work next time. If we do want to do something of that caliber, like we need to make sure all our bandwidth is focused on it or we bring in the right people to make it happen. Um, or yeah, let's just kind of pivot it and adjust it to what works for us right now. That would be like the one thing I can think of that like was like didn't fully work out. Like I guess like I envisioned it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, I think about that but, sometimes because it's like with with the limited bandwidth, it's like if everything you do always works, it makes you think like, right. damn, I need to go faster. I need to do more shit right. because you know it's just like well, it's like there's so many things I want to do right now. Like and and with that same concept, like I want to start a coffee brand. I want to start a food truck. Like and do all these things. That's like. Like if I were to do that, it would take away from everything else I'm doing. So I would almost have to do that, but completely have someone fully in charge. And they're just like, Hey, what do you want done today? Go do this. Like, and I, cause I don't think I could physically or mentally have the time to like go search for a food truck, build it out, do all the things that would need to be done. Like there's just no way. And so, uh, but yeah, the more stuff you do and the more, yeah, it's like, Oh, this worked and this worked. You're just, what else, what else could I do? You know what I mean? And, uh, right. But yeah, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many more things I want to do too. And that, that's the hard part. I think it's probably the same for like, like a lot of creatives. There's so many things or that you want to do or create or make. And it's like picking and choosing which have the most leverage for you, which have the most potential and trying to analyze that and be like, and focus on the things that are going to be most beneficial to you and your career and your time. Um, Cause like, I would love to like continue to like, do like really in-depth youtube videos and series and stuff but it's just like not worth my time anymore and so like every once in a while i'll post a video but it's not it's not anything that i made specifically for the platform it'll be like i was on a shoot travis filmed me he puts it together sends it to me and i'll upload it you know what i mean and um but yeah i mean there's a certain point where it's just like i don't know where i was going with all that but yeah yeah. no 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 it's it's great i just i just like being creative in a million different ways, not just being limited to like, Oh, he does videos. Like I want to be like, like he does this and this and this and this. And like, because I just enjoy it. And I think it's, it's cool to be like very well-rounded and know that like, Hey, if for whatever reason, if one day video stops, like if I never get hired again to do another video, I have all this over here that I'm good at and can do and pursue. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like at some point everything kind of like can come to an end or possibly will, you know what I mean? Like it's just nothing is ever guaranteed. I mean, so I just kind of always one, cause I like to do it, do all the different things, but I also look at it as like, like a, not a backup plan, but just like, I guess a safety net. Like I always tell people it's like fishing. Like if you have a lake, and you, um, your, you know, your fishing line or your reel is like kind of the, uh, a stream of revenue, a way to pull in, you know, fish or money to feed yourself. If you have 10 lines, five, let's just say five lines out into the water, the chance that you're going to, like, what are the odds that you're going to catch more fish than someone who has one line into the water? 
And then what if that one guy's line breaks and he has no line, then like, you know what I mean? I think that's like a good way to kind of relate it back to like the different avenues you have to, to, to make money and support yourself and whether you're, you know, have a family or you're a single guy or a girl or whatever. I kind of look at it like that is like, you know, the more lines I can have into the water, like, you know, the better off I'm going to be. So I love it. I love it. The more lines, the better brother. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. Um, th- thanks so much for your time, bro. I, I really appreciate you. This has been awesome. Um, just getting to learn from you and stuff and, and get inside your mind a little bit has been amazing. So thank you, bro. Thank you for hitting me up. Yes, sir. Talk soon, bro. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs>